Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Well, everybody has practiced and prepared. They've gone through all the scrimmages. They've sweat. They've hurt. And now it's time. Uh, it, the, the draft has secured all the missing components to address any deficiencies on their team. And now the referee stands and he takes the whistle and he blows and he drops his hand. And the game has started. It's game day. The crowd rises in anticipation. The clock begins to tick down. And now we're right in the middle of the game. They, the crowd rises up. They swell with anticipation. I know some of y'all are crazy. You start throwing things at the TV. You're all excited. You, okay, so you're not that crazy. So, so the game started. I've discovered that you can spend hours and hours in preparation and going through the routines of practice. And you can go through the draft and get all the players that you need. And this is what I've discovered. You can have the very best athletes in the world all on one team, and you can still lose. You can still lose based on this little deal right here. Everybody has to know the playbook, right? Because if you don't know the playbook, if you haven't mastered the playbook, then what happens is the coach begins to watch the game unfold. Y'all know the guy on the sideline isn't the one watching. It's the one way up in the press box, up in the coach's booth, and they're watching, and they're seeing what's happening, and they see the defense shifting and moving, and so they, they want to call because they see the gap in the defense, and they've got the one perfect call that they know it's going to score every time. But if everybody doesn't know the playbook, they can't call the one play that it w- would expose and capitalize on the weaknesses of the defense right John this is the way it works yeah see John knows if if only the quarterback knew the play if only the running back knew the play if only the wide receiver was on the same page there there was a huge gap but I couldn't call the play because they didn't have the playbook mastered what I've discovered is is that if you don't know the playbook then the advantage swings to the opposition and you're stifled in your ability to score So let me just summarize it like this and say that the playbook is essential for victory. The playbook is essential for unity. The playbook is the standard. Because, see, this is what can happen. You can run a play and maybe even gain some yards, but the coaches will go back and they will review the film and they they will judge the play against the standard, which is the playbook, because the playbook exposes the fact that not everybody knew the play, so this is what happens. There are people out of place. There are people that not out of sync, not where they're supposed to be. And in fact, did you know that teammates can even get in each other's way? And okay, so so you gotta know the playbook. So so I believe that after this is the third week of, of, of game day series, I believe that we're getting real close to having all the right players in the right places, all right? All the teams are starting to to flesh out a little bit. Now, there's still room for you, but we're we're getting the right players in place and on the field. 
So if that's true, then it is absolutely essential then for us to make sure that we know the playbook. So I want to take you to the playbook. Join me in Luke chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9, I'm going to read to you verses 1 through 5, and then I'm just going to read Luke chapter 10, verse 1, and we'll talk just a minute about that and see if we know the playbook. Here's the playbook. Luke chapter 9, verse 1 through 5. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he told them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you you enter, stay there until you leave that town. And if people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. One version in that little part about no bag, no money, no extra shirt says this. Don't load yourselves up with equipment. Keep it simple. You are the equipment. That's, that's good right there. I, mic drop. I'm done. All right. We are, we are the equipment. Uh, so, so that's our play. Right? That's our play. I'll come to Luke chapter 10 in just a second. That's the playbook. In fact, uh, if you want to get really down in the playbook, all you need to do is you can then begin to read in Matthew chapter 10 and Mark chapter 6. And what you recognize is that Jesus repeats the play. He calls the same play again to his disciples. He says the same thing, and he repeats it, and he repeats it, and he repeats it. In fact, I'm going to read to you just the first snippet of Luke chapter 10. I want you to go read it on your own uh, because it adds a little, a little bit of information. In Luke chapter 10, in verse 1, now they've gone through two weeks of play, game day, all right? They've been passing out the little cards, and their team is swelling because he starts by telling the 12 to play, but now in Luke chapter 10, the team has grown to 72. And he turns to the 72, and he repeats the same exact play. He says it like this. I'm just going to read verse 1. He says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. I'm not going to read the rest of it, but then he says the same stuff. Go to the town, find a man of peace, If he offers peace to you, let your peace settle over him. Don't take a bag. Don't take a shirt. Don't take money. Don't take staff. Go and proclaim the kingdom. Cast out demons and heal the sick. He just repeats it all over again. That is our play. That's it. Okay, so I didn't read it out of like a paper Bible. Oh, see, look here. Even in electronic, look at that. I don't know what that, that shows you, but it's in red. <laughs> he highlighted it for us. That is our play. Here it is. Go everywhere preaching the good news. Cast out demons. Cure diseases. Heal the sick. Stay focused. Refuse distraction. Don't get weighed down with materialism. And bring peace into every place you go. That is the play. That's pretty clear. That's pretty concise. It's hard to misunderstand. And yet, I have to ask you this question. Are we running the play? Oh, I knew it would be quiet up in here on a Sunday morning. Are we running the play? That is the question. Are we doing what we were instructed to do? Notice he didn't instruct the church. 
Because we always want to blame it's, it's the church's fault we're not doing all this stuff. These are individual, individual people that he's instructing. Come on now, wake up. He's, he's saying, he's, bur- he's, he's drilling down to the individuals. And he says, this is your play. This is what I'm calling you to do. So my question is, are we running the play? Are we doing what he said to do? Are we taking any territory? Are we walking into places and, and, and sickness disappears when we walk in the room? Are we walking anywhere where people are distressed and overcome by demons and we're able to cast them out? Are we going anywhere proclaiming the good news of the kingdom? Are we running the play? And so there's a logical conclusion because if the answer is no, then the logical conclusion that I've come to is this. We, we, are, we are going to run a play. So if we're not running the play that the coach is calling, then the logical conclusion I've come to is we're running our own play. (laughs) So we're we're, going to always run something. So if we're not running the play called by the coach, then we must be running some play, and most likely most of us call an audible. And we're going to talk about why here in just a second because I'm going to help you. But we think we, we got this figured out. We can do it better on our own, and we run our own play. The only dilemma is, is that when we run our own play, we don't accomplish what the play would have accomplished that the coach called. And I don't know about how Coach John operates, but I think I do know how because I've seen him coach. If you don't run the play that the coach calls, the coach might just bench your hind end. You might get to spend a little pine time. You might not get back in the game. You know why? Because the next logical conclusion is this. If you don't run the play that the coach called, we don't win. You don't gain victory. You don't take territory. And the coach will not be pleased. And if the coach is not pleased, guess who he... Okay, never mind. Because this is... I'm trying to help you to understand that we are blessed when we operate in obedience And when we don't operate in obedience, we're not blessed because the coach cannot put up with rebellion. And so we must run the play. I want to submit to you this morning that we will never really be effective as a team. We will never take the territory that God has given to us if we're not running the play that he told us to run. So this is what I want us to do. I, I'm just getting started, but I, I, I just want us to stop right here as a, as a group of individuals who have been instructed to run the play. I want you to ask yourself the question this morning, am I running that play? And if the answer is no, then what I want us to do real, just real quick, is I just want us to stop just a moment and I want us to talk to the coach and repent to the coach and say, Coach, I promise from this point forward, I'll, I'll run the play, bro. I mean, I'll run it to a T. I'll do just what you ask me to do. And I, I'm just asking you to put me back in the game and give me a shot. Would you join me, Father, this morning uh, as individuals that make up a corporate body? We repent this morning of taking matters into our own hands and thinking that we know better than you. And we, we repent for throwing the playbook out and running our own play and Father, we, we, we just ask you this morning, we repent. We, we, Jesus, we say we heard what you told us to do. And, and, and even though it's, it seems like an overwhelming play, and at times it may not feel like we're ready for the play, Father, we just declare this morning that together we repent. We ask you to put us back. We promise we'll do our dead level best. We'll do our best, Coach. Put us back in the game. We, we, we say together this morning, we make... We make a proclamation in our own heart and our own life. We'll do our very best to run 
the play that you've called. We ask you to help us with this. In Jesus' name. So he calls the same play over and over again. I, I can see Jesus stepping into the huddle and he calls it like this. He says, all right, guys, here we go. Two by two. Power up the middle. Peace, go right. Provision, go left. And persistence, just hang out here and camp right here. All right, are you ready? That's the play, ready? Break. And then he releases them to go run the play. And they come back and he calls it again. And he calls it again. And he calls it again. Uh, So, honestly, I think the playbook makes us nervous. Anybody else nervous when a preacher stands up and tells us we ought to be going somewhere preaching and going somewhere and casting out demons and going everywhere you go, you ought to be curing diseases and, and healing the sick. And Does that make anybody else uncomfortable, a little nervous? I think I figured out why. Can I help you this morning? Because I'll be honest with you, this playbook makes me nervous. But I just want to stop one, one second and just ask you this question just to whet your appetite. What if we really ran the play? What if all of us really made this, this dedication and applied ourselves and ran this play. Can you imagine what the body would look like? Can you imagine what our community would look like if we all really ran the play? It'd be all, okay, so let me help you. So, so why don't we run the play? Uh, the first thing, Tari didn't even know I was going to say this, but he was right on, bro. You were right on. Here it is. We don't run the play a lot of times because we don't understand these things right here. Number one, We aren't supposed to run the play alone. Okay, I know in Luke chapter 9 that I read to you, he doesn't mention it, but in all the other accounts, and then in Luke chapter 10, he follows it up, and in every one of those, other than the one I read to you, he makes Jesus, the coach, steps into the huddle, and he says, go two by two. Don't go by yourself. Don't run by yourself. Jesus understood that we would struggle to run the play if we're isolated and alone. Does this sound like a repeat? Does, it, does, does anybody that's been with me at three years ever heard us talk about not doing life alone, life together better? How many ways can we say it over and over again? Basically, we're calling the same play over and over again, and yet we continue to live all by ourselves, and we don't run the play. You were never supposed to run this play alone. You need somebody to block for you. You need somebody to clear the way for you. You need somebody to watch your back. You need a wingman. You need somebody to lean on. You need somebody in lockstep with you because we're stronger together. You are never supposed to run this play all by yourself. So what I've discovered is this, is if I read the play and I'm all by myself, I most likely won't run the play because I'm too weak when I'm alone. I know my own weaknesses and my own deficiencies so well that I will step back and I won't run the play. But when you're with me, when I got a, when I got a buddy with me, I, I'm braver than I was. I, I'll do some stuff that I, come on now, some of you guys have done some stuff that you would have never done by yourself because you were with somebody else, all right? I know, I saw the video on Instagram. I saw the, I, okay, so when we're together, we will do stuff that we wouldn't do all by ourselves. Your braver when there's somebody with you. Is braver a word? Yeah, is it? I don't know. It is today. You're braver when you got somebody with you. All right? I'm stronger when I, because there are days, I know y'all think I glow, but come on, and I do sometimes, but um, 
uh, there are days I don't have all the faith I should. But when I'm with you, don't you feel so stronger on Sundays? You know why? Because we're together. So you got to find somebody that you can run to play with through the, throughout the week. That when you're ready to go to work, maybe you, nobody else in our church goes, goes to the same job you do. But maybe you ought to call somebody right as, before you walk into work in the environment that you're walking into. And you, you know it's going to be a tough day because of the environment. Why don't you pick up the phone and call one of these teammates and say, Can you pray with me right now? I want to go in and I want to proclaim the gospel. And I want to heal diseases. And I want to cast out demons. And I want to do all this stuff. But I, I'm all by myself. And they go, Oh, no, you ain't. I got you, bro. We're going to pray right now. We're going to pray right now. And together, there's strength. You cannot run this play by yourselves. I just want you to know you can't tackle everything by yourself. There, there's, this, there's this thing that happens in football. It's called gang tackling. John knows this. I, I keep referring to John. John's the head coach of Bethany High School football team, and he knows this. You want as many people to, to arrive at the ball at the same time. I don't, I don't want anybody on an island. I don't want my safety out here all by himself. When the ball comes through the line, I want six guys tackling him, not one, because if it's just one, he might break it and go for a score, right? But if there's six of us hanging all over that little scrawny dude, he ain't going nowhere, right? That's what we, we want you to gang tackle the enemy. You cannot do this by yourself. So I need you to touch your neighbor and say, are you with me? Come on, ask him. Are you with me? Are you going to get in the game with me? Come on. Are, are you going to? I need you. I need you. I need you to clear. I need you to make a hole for me. I, I, I need you to watch for me. I, we got to have each other. Second thing I got to move on is this. For the play to work, if for the play to work, we have to know how to run the play. All right, y'all missed it, huh? For the play to work, we got to know how to run the play. So I started reading, and I look back. I just stumbled on this. I, I, I'll do this occasionally. As you're reading passages, you ought to back up so you get the context. And I backed up into Luke chapter 8, and I began to read, and I discovered that we got a great coach. Because in Luke chapter 8, Jesus runs the play to show the disciples how it's supposed to be run. A good coach will always do that in practice. He'll, he'll take the, I mean, they're struggling with the play. He'll go, give me the ball. Takes the ball, and he said, all right, we're going to go half speed. Ready, set, hut. All right, I'm going to back up three steps, and when I back up three steps, I need the running back to take two steps into the left and then break to the right. I need my right guard to swing around and clear path. I'm going to begin to roll this way, and as I do, the tight end, I need, come on, tight end, get over and let me show you. I want to take two steps forward, and then I want to cut across, and he walks it out for them. He shows them step by step. That's what Jesus did in Luke chapter 8. In Luke chapter 8, we read that this is what he did. He goes and he preaches the gospel in Luke chapter 8. He drives the demons out of a man and casts them into a pig, into the pigs. Doesn't this sound like the playbook? Then he heals a woman with the issue of blood. And then he raises the man's daughter from the dead. He is literally step by step showing us the play. So that they would know how to run it. So Jesus shows us how to run the play. But do we know how to run the play? I, I, I want to show you. Jesus, the coach, after showing them the play, he calls the play in Luke chapter 9, and then he tells us once again how to run the play. Here it is. Are you ready? He says, do this with power and authority. That's how we run the play. 
Okay, y'all looking at me like deer in the headlights. Okay, here we go. I'm going to help you this morning. We are supposed to run the play with power and authority. Okay, y'all still not excited because we don't know. Jesus looks at us and says, run the play with power and authority. And we go, what does that mean? Okay, I'm going to help you this morning. The best illustration I've ever heard to define this and, and to try to explain this is, is this. It's the idea of a police officer. A police officer has two items with him. First, he has a gun, and then he has a badge. Power and authority. Okay? Because here's the truth. If he comes to your house and knocks on your door in the middle of the night, he doesn't have to have power. He's got authority. So when I see the badge, not when I see the gun, when I see the badge, I'm going to open the door. In fact, if all I see is the gun, I'm probably not opening the door, and I'm going to my nightstand. Y'all, y'all will figure that out in a minute. All right? But when I peep through the window and I see the badge, he's got authority. And so I open the door. All right, okay. So, all right. I'm going to help you right here. Both components are crucial for him to be able to carry out the responsibilities of his job. He has power and he has authority that has been invested in him by a sovereign. A government has looked at him and said, you now have authority to use your power. Okay, y'all still lost. So, okay, all right. So, here, this is the deal. Police officer's out just minding his own business. He's not even on duty. And he pulls his gun and, and shoots somebody because they cut him off in traffic. All right. He's going to go to jail. He used his power for something that he didn't have authority to use it for. Okay, so, so, uh, so, okay. Even though he had power with no authority, his action is illegal. Right? Okay, so now here's where it gets real. So what's Jesus saying to us when he says, this is how you run the play, with power and authority? Okay, first of all, let's deal with power. How do you get power? You plug in. There always has to be a source for power. These lights came on because they're connected to a source for power. So you have to plug in to get power. And our relationship with the coach determines how much power we have. So in order to run the play, we've got to have power. And we gain that power, we access that power by plugging in with our coach. You got it? That's where our power comes from. But with power, if you don't have any authority, the power won't stick. That's why Jesus in, in Luke chapter 10, the 72 come back and they begin to brag about their power. And they say, hits did this incredible. We got so much power that where, everywhere we go, demons, they, they obey us. And, and devils, they run out in front of us. It's, it's unbelievable. We got so much power. And Jesus said, he stops them and reminds them that power alone is not enough. You also got to have authority. And he says, that's not even what's important, that demons and devils know who you are and they obey you. What's important is that you know that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And what he's saying is this. There's this thing called authority. The one who has the ability to save souls and has all the authority of the universe and is sovereign above everything. Because you know him, you have authority. And that causes the power to stick. Okay, so, so 
our ability to run the play is contingent on shooting power through authority. How do you get authority? Authority comes from your understanding of your status or your position in Christ. I'm in Christ. I got news for you. I don't have any authority of my own. I only, y'all look like y'all are lost. Can I help? Come, I'm trying to help you because we know the play. We just don't run the play because we don't know who we are in Christ. My, the, the only authority that I have the ability to use is the authority that has been vested into me by a sovereign. And so I go out and I proclaim things and I say things and I do things not backed by my authority but by his authority. And Jesus says it like this. Please listen to me. If you don't get anything else I say, please get this this morning. He says, you have the legal right. You have the authority. You have the authority to do these things. You missed it. You have the authority to do these things. The reason we don't run the play is we are trying to use authority for things that we're not supposed to use authority for. So let me help you. He says we have the authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases and do all this stuff. We want to use authority for other things. Let me, oh please, listen. You have the power to sleep with whoever you want to sleep with. But you don't have the authority. You have the power to go out and get addicted to drugs, but you don't have the authority. Oh, some of you are getting this. You have the power to worry. You have the power to take matters into your own hands. You have the power to, to be rebellious. You have the power to steal. You have the power for all this stuff. But Jesus said, you don't have the authority to do all that. So if we can ever get our power lined up with our authority then we have an impact and we can run the play. Can I tell you this morning that our power is backed up by who backs us up? And so this morning, I, I just need to tell you that, that he will give us authority when he, un, when he understands that we won't try to steal the authority. That I'm not trying to do all this stuff for my own, for my own benefit. I'm not going to try to take the glory. I'm not going to try to draw attention to me. He will lend his authority to me. He will vest his authority into me and then let me have power. If he knows, I will use it for the things that it was, we're called to use it for, to run the play. So what does that mean? It means that a lot of us can't run the play because we're missing one of the two key components. What it means is this, I'm challenging you this morning that every Sunday morning when you get back here together that you've got to plug in. You cannot come to service after service after service and go through the motions and expect to walk out of here with enough power. You've got to plug in. You cannot go through the motions and let them worship for you. You've got to plug into the source of power. So then you also come to a realization that while we're together, who we are. So that now I've got power in my life and I'll walk out with a partner that's going to help me. And we, we operate in authority. And we run the play. Listen, you cannot rely on your status as his child but never plug into his power. And you can never just walk out and operate in power if you're not hooked up with the authority. It takes both. Are we clear? You've got to have power and authority. 
You get the power by plugging in. You get the authority by understanding who you are. And then last but not least, please, I'm so excited about this point, I'm going to preach myself silly if y'all don't help me. Because we missed this. For the play to work, for the play to work, we must prepare. And you say, okay, wait a minute. I don't know about this passage of scripture you read. It's a little, it's wrong. Because I've read in the Old Testament that the Bible says that the Lord goes before us. And now in Luke chapter 10, Jesus flips the script and says, you are to go to the town before I get there. Go back and read it. I'll go back and read it because some of y'all ain't going to. He appointed 72, sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Wait a minute. Scripture says God's supposed to go before us and now you're telling us we're supposed to go before God? That's what he did. He commissioned his disciples to prepare the way of the Lord. Okay. So, the, the, the players are supposed to go into situations and prepare it for the arrival of the coach. So, if that's the play, and you're not seeing the coach show up, can I make a logical conclusion? If that's the play, and the coach is not showing up into your situation, could it be that you haven't prepared the situation for the coach to arrive? Okay, y'all, some of y'all are struggling with me this morning. God's made it clear in Scripture. Now Jesus plays, calls this play, and he makes it abundantly clear that God, the coach, arrives, operates, and inhabits prepared places. So what does that mean? We, we are tasked with going to prepare the place before Him. What does that mean? It means that we have the responsibility of representing Him in such a way that, that, that when and we lay the groundwork so that when He arrives, people recognize Him. Okay, y'all not nearly as excited as I was about that myself because what that means then is this. It is my responsibility where I work and it is my responsibility in my neighborhood and it is my responsibility in my school and it is my responsibility of where I shop to walk in on a regular basis and prepare the way of the Lord so that now this is how it works. I operate in peace so that when the Prince of Peace shows up, they recognize him. I operate in justice so when the righteous judge shows up on the scene, they suddenly go, I think I know who that is. 
we, we operate in business by, by operating in the light so that when the light of the world walks into my business, they don't go, well, who is that? They go, I think I've heard about you. I don't understand this, but you're different than everybody else. Why are you operating in the light? And as you go to work every day and operate in the light, one of these days, the, the light of the world is going to walk in on them and they're going to go, bingo, I know who you're talking about. We operate in relationships in such, with such grace and mercy that when we're walking through the relationships of life, when the friend that sticks closer than any brother finally shows up in their situation, they recognize it. So what I want to say to you this morning is this, is you can't expect him to show up in places where he has consistently been misrepresented. Some of y'all want him to show up at your job, but you've represented him so bad that if he walked in, not only would they not recognize him, they wouldn't want him. Oh, that came back at me. Some of us keep expecting Jesus to show up, and the thing is, is he has, but they don't recognize him and they don't want him because they've been watching the players that went before the coach. You say, you can't prove that scripturally. Yes, I can. Join me in the Old Testament Let's just talk about old Nebi for a minute. Old Nebi, you know Nebuchadnezzar? The Bible says there were three Hebrew children that lived different than everybody else, and they built this gold statue, and he said to bow down, and they wouldn't bow down. And so King Nebi got mad, and he made this big furnace and heated it seven times hotter, and they throw the three Hebrew children in, right? They're in there. they got to be burning up, right? I mean, it's the hottest the furnace has ever been. He grabs the guys that helped him build the furnace. They walk over to the edge, and they look in the furnace, and he says, I don't see three men, I see four. That's important, but this is even more important. He describes the man he sees. He says, I see a fourth man, but he looks like the son of man. Now, wait a minute. Nebuchadnezzar is an absolute, verified heathen. He has no relationship with God at all. He, he, he's not a believer. He's never bowed his knee to Jehovah. He's, he, he has no concept of who God is. And now all of a sudden, I'm going to go peer into the furnace. And there's four of them. And the fourth one looks like the Son of Man. How would he know? How would a heathen king ever know that that fourth guy looks like the Son of, the man, son of Man? Except for the fact that three Hebrew children had prepared the way of the Lord in such a way and represented God so well and showed, showed Him over and over, this is what God looks like, this is what God looks like, this is what God looks like, that now a heathen king can peer in and even though he has no relationship, go, that looks like God. I think I recognize him. I don't understand him. I'm not even sure I like him. But that looks like God. If some of us would represent Jesus at the level that we're called to represent him at work and at school and in our neighborhood, then when we declare the kingdom of God, then when we cast out demons, then when we produce healing, they would go, I don't understand how this works, but I've got a glimpse of what the coach looks like. So now the coach has shown up in my situation, and I want to know him. At the end of September, the 1st of October, we're going to do the presentation of Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. And I want to tell you, we can put all the banners up in the world, and we can hand out all the tickets and put posters up. But if you don't prepare the way for the coach, 
They can come and watch this drama and it could be really cool and it could impress them, but they won't recognize him if you've misrepresented him. So I'm asking you over the course of the next month, make sure at work that your language represents him. Make sure at school that your attitude represents him. Make sure when you go get in a line and they, they, they take too long to get your food, that, that, that your behavior represents them. Make sure that in your dating relationships, in your married relationship, in your friend relationship, you're representing him so well that when you hand them the ticket and they come and watch a drama because you say, it's my debut, I'm going to act. They show up and instead of recognizing you, they recognize him and they go, oh, I think he's the coach and I've seen him, I've seen him work in the life of the player and I, I'm going to submit my... Run the play. I, I, I wish I could get you in a big old huddle right now and I would say, here's the play. Preach the gospel. Go everywhere and without being distracted. Make sure that your mind and the spirit is focused on Him. Don't get caught up in materialism. Go into places and cast out demons. Go into places and heal the sick. Go into places and be consistent. Bring peace bear onto that situation. When they're walking in chaos, you walk in the room and peace settles on the room ready set break and all of us two by two walk out of here and we run the stinking play that's the play that's the play that's the play no other place called that's the play Grab your little card. We're asking you to get off the bench, get in the game, and run the play. But you were never supposed to run the play alone. On the back are multiple plays, places that you can play. Some of you are running backs. Some of you are quarterbacks. Some of your defensive players, there's a place for you. I need you in the game because we can't play. We can't run the play unless we all know the play. So this is what I want you to do. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time for you to run the play, and I need you to run the play. Get your pens out right now, and if you haven't signed up, just for a second, just for a second before we pray, just for a second, just for a second before we before we pray, if you're not in the game, would you grab a pen quickly and write your information down in circle? You say, I'm not sure if I'm a running back. I don't know if I'm a quarterback. Just circle one. We'll find out quick enough. And if, it's, if that's not your position, this is how we operate out in, in this place. We're not going to send you back to the bench. We're just going to move you to a different position. And all of a sudden, we're going to keep moving you and moving you and moving you. And lo and behold, we're going to hit the right place and you're going to be a stud. And in that place, you will do things that nobody else could do. And in that place, you will help us take territory and gain yardage and defeat the enemy. In that place, we will help you find your place, but we can't if you stay on the sidelines. The coach has given us the play. I want you to stand with me. If you've got that card, I want you to just hang on to it. Here in a second, Pastor Andrew is going to tell you what to do with it. Here's the admonition I want to give you. If you're standing next to someone this morning and you know they're not serving, they're not serving at all, they're, they're not in the game. Before 
Pastor Andrew gets finished here in a moment, I, I want you to look at them and say, I need you to serve with me. I need you to serve with me. I can't do this by myself. I need you to serve with me and recruit them to the team. Father, this morning, my prayer is simply this, that we would run the play. God, under the sound of my voice are people that know the play, or at least we think we know the play, but we've been hesitant to run the play because we've been nervous. And I'll admit, Father, I'm nervous a lot of times when I think about what you've called us to do. You said that we would do greater things than Jesus did. That's scary to me because I try to do them by myself. So, Father, this morning I pray that you would lock us up with someone, that we would find a a running mate, a, a partner, a teammate, a wingman. Somebody that we can lock arms with and be braver and stronger and more determined. I pray that no one in this room this morning would walk out and feel like they're all by themselves. God, I pray that we'd break down any barrier that we think would keep us from doing that. Some of us are standing here right now and say, nobody lives near me that goes here. Nobody works where I work. Nobody goes to the school I go to. Father, I pray that you'd break down all those excuses and we would be intentional about finding people to run the play with and we would reach out to them and we would begin to call one another and text one another, private message one another, and together we would, uh, we would lean on one another for support and courage and faith. God, I call again for the play in our own spirits as a as passion church made up by individuals. I pray right now. We, we've heard the clarion call. The, we've, we, we've heard the play repeated over and over and over again. It's not going to change. It's the same play. And so, Father, over this congregation, I pray that we, everywhere we go, we would operate in power and authority. God, I pray we would not walk out of here with power in our spirit, but not under authority, because we know it will never stick. I pray that we would walk out of here knowing who we are, but we would also have the power to intervene in situations. Marry the two. Help us to gain power every week that we gather together. May we get more and more and more power, but I also pray we would come to a greater understanding of the one that has given us the power. Help us to operate in power and authority. I pray we would begin to use the authority and the power that you've given us for the things that you've given given them to us for. I pray that we would begin to go everywhere and doing it with grace, doing it with mercy, no condemnation. I pray that everywhere we go, by our attitudes, by our countenance, by our talk, by our walk, by every aspect of our life, we would represent you well. And by doing so, we would be proclaiming the gospel, the good news. We would begin to see people healed. We would begin to see people set free. We would begin to see chains fall off of people. We would begin to see those kind of things happen. That's what we have the power and the authority to do. May our peace settle everywhere we go. And last but not least, Father, I pray this. I pray that in the coming month you would help us learn how to prepare the way for you. I pray that every morning we would wake up 
with one task on our mind. Today, I am going to represent the coach so well that when the coach decides to show up, that everybody around me will suddenly recognize him. Even if they don't have a relationship with him, they will recognize him because they've watched me. Because they've watched me. Even if I'm in the fire, I represent you so well that they recognize the coach. I pray, Father, that as we do this, I pray that we would see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people saved and set free, join a team, take territory, accomplish incredible feats for your kingdom and for your namesake. And so together this morning, we give all the glory and all the honor and all the praise to the coach, Jesus Jesus, Jesus, you're our coach. You're our coach. We've got the best coach. We've got a coach that will go out and run the play and show us how. We've got a coach that will lay his life down for us. We've got a coach that will sacrifice everything for us. Jesus, we, we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. We, we are thankful for our coach. And we're thankful that you let us play the game. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Would you do this with me right now? Would you turn to two or three people and say, get in the game. Come on, get in the game. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.